Welcome back. It's the Away Days Pod. Joining me as always, Lay, back from the Gramps house, Mr. Land. It's it's eleven days till Christmas. What uh, just just off the top, what 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 are you asking Santa for when he's sitting in his in his lap? Because I know you probably still do that, honestly. Uh, I might have to ask him for a new offensive coordinator <laughs> for Auburn if we don't get one soon. Oh, yeah, I don't know if he can help you there, but um, you probably heard his giddy laughter from the from the background. For whatever reason, we've kept Ferg around for a third straight week. Mr. Ferguson, same question to you. <laughs> may may sound like an old ass, but I could use a new mattress and some furniture. I'm, I'm Go, moving man. into my own place. <laughs> I got to buy old people's stuff. I- no more. Hey man, no shame. No in that more dog. video games and candy bars, <laughs> all that child stuff. I'm over with it. <laughs> okay, that was a depressing answer. It's the, <laughs> um, the mattress. The mattress. I need one though. Not. Don't sleep on a good mattress. I'll get you right though. Um, yeah. Don't sleep don't on like... one. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. I didn't. Uh, I didn't catch that. Thank you. Thank you, life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I honestly don't love the one I'm sleeping on right now. It kind of like folds in on my shoulders, you know, like really bends them inward like that. Uh, but anyway, this is the Away Days pod. Uh, going to be kind of an interesting one because for once I actually didn't do the pre-show notes. Uh, I had a really long day at work. You want to talk about sound like an old ass. That's, that's one right there. Um, but Ferg coming to the rescue. So I guess maybe that's why we keep it around because Lathe sure as hell isn't hey, doing whoa. anything. I laid out the formats on this one, buddy. Don't get ahead of yourself. What do you mean you laid out the formats? I just got on here and had to delete like half the old things. Like all of the old things are still on there. Oh, I added. I didn't get rid of anything. I added all the stuff. A lot of the stuff at the top, like the title stuff. You the title title stuff. Yeah, like the the topics, and then Ferg wrote underneath basically his whole points. Okay, okay. I thought you literally said the title. Like no, no. The very first words of this document have never changed. So no. <laughs> it's literally said always away days pod ideas has not once been changed. But no, well, anyway, I, <laughs> I digress. We're going to start with soccer real fast because Ferg doesn't know shit about it. Lath honestly doesn't watch it anymore because, again, he's not doing his job. Um, but I want to get to some things real quick before we jump to football and bowl season. But off the top, Arsenal 3 nil dub against Southampton. Big bounce back win after back to back losses against Manchester United and Everton. Fur, you're trying so hard to hold it in right now. What what is going on here? <laughs> it's just you saying the lace not doing his job. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't do his job no. at all. And he's taking credit for my ideas on the pod doc. He's no. So hard. all right, hold on, hold on, Lathe, Lathe. Give your best chance to defend yourself. I'll give you the floor here. Like, show me literally one instance how you do your job. Because you you texted me in, and I quote, as I pull it up here. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Nathan, I slick haven't watched a lick of soccer this week. Should we ditch it for this episode, or do you have some content? Explain that, Lay. Oh no! Listen, we knew going into this. Football season, I'm in football mode. I watch every Bayern Munich There was game only Army of- Navy. That was it. Okay, well, I've been on the recruiting trail though. That's been <laughs> <laughs> No, I've been on or the I've recruiting been following trail. it at least. I have been on the recruiting trail. Been wind and dine in sixty nine at Bama and Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Life, come on. Why why are you coming in with no with no soccer content on a weekend where there was only Army Navy like, did you even watch Bayern? Did you watch your team? 
<laughs> no, I didn't because it's we're playing bottom of the table Bundesliga teams. There's not much much to watch at this point. I I've told you before. I get all my Bayern excitement in during Champions League or the big. So basically, matches. you're saying you 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 disagree with my statement of saying you don't do your job and yet are openly admitting to only doing your job about every two weeks because that's when Champions League is played. No, I said on the soccer side of things. I do my football job weekly. Except for when you when <laughs> Auburn right, loses well. four in a row. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and you skip two pods because you don't want to talk Can't about it. Can't defend that one. Anyway, so I'll be carrying the brunt of the soccer weight here for the next five minutes because that's about all the content we're going to have from it. Um, but yeah, Arsenal win. Really excited about that. They dominated a Southampton team that really looks like the worst team in the Premier League, honestly. Um, but now Arsenal got a big one against West Ham tomorrow. I hate all this like midweek scheduling. Like I can't remember. This is like the second or third time in the past month Arsenal have played on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and it's just like hard to watch. It's hard to make time to watch it at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. Um, but I'll try my best to keep an eye on that because West Ham have actually been really strong late. I know late you don't actually know that because you don't keep up with it. But uh, but yeah, let West Ham are currently inside the top four. But big thing for Arsenal, um, Mikel Arteta, manager, benching uh, Aubameyang prior to the match for disciplinary reasons. Now it's kind of come out that he showed up late to training Friday before the match. But I honestly think like straight up benching a guy and removing the captaincy from him, like I feel like he you've done more than just show up late for that to happen. So we're kind of getting a little bit of locker room cancer um, from Aubameyang, which I'm slightly worried about. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But in his, in his stead, Lacazette had a solid game, scored a goal. So, uh, yeah, and Arsenal with a chance to go inside the top four with a win against West Ham, who they get at home. Um, West Ham just two points ahead of him. So big matchup there. But the real storyline from the soccer weekend which at least I've written it here late so you can refer to if you didn't already know. Um, as he is, oh, he is pressed, Ferg. We've, we've got Lay, we've got Lay upset. His, his, uh, the FaceTime glare I've been getting throughout this whole segment is unreal. But anyway, Lay, you've seen the UCL draw. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly how UEFA cocked it up. I just know they did. They somehow, like, it literally is just ping pong balls that have to decide who plays each other. I don't know how you fucked that up, but they managed to do that. Manchester United, who originally were drawing, I think, like Benfica or Ajax or somebody, uh, now get stuck with a much tougher one against Atletico. But, Lay, taking a quick glance at the UCL draw, what are some matchups that that jump out to you? Uh, And, you know, real quick, before they messed it up, I think it was going to be a uh, PSG-Manchester United matchup. So seeing the potential Ronaldo... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, Ronaldo-Messi matchup pulled out, that's kind of irritating because that would have been nice to watch but just looking at this you know the PSG fan or the Real Madrid fans have got to be pretty mad now because I think they had an easier matchup before now they're starting off with PSG which what looks like is going to be probably one of the bigger matchups uh looking at the rest of this Atleti United is going to be very big because that's kind of two contrasting styles of soccer you know Atleti playing real defensive and United really is more of a counter team so that could be one to keep an eye on, but the rest of these would look pretty tame, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, Ferg, any thoughts there? I got nothing to add. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, yeah, just taking a look down across the board, what always jumps out to me is, you know, less so the big matchups, because honestly you expect that in the, in the UCL, but the fact that we've got a couple, um, well, really, I guess just kind of the bottom one, 
Benfica and Ajax, like one of those teams guaranteed to go through. Now, Ajax has actually had a really strong Champions League campaign so far winning. Uh, did they win on the final day? Because they won all yeah. their games leading up to that. They, they are like one of the only five or six teams in history to win all five uh, group stage matchups, I think. Well, Bayern did that too this season. And oh, yeah. Liverpool, I think. So. I think out of the last six times that it's happened, three of them have been in the last two years. So yeah. I guess that's something to note. Well, anyway, the fact that one of those two teams is guaranteed to go through going to be a little interesting to see like you know who the lucky team I, I guess would be the lucky team that faces them in the in the quarterfinals but Ajax is playing like maybe that's not the case but yeah PSG Real Madrid obviously the headlining matchup another one to keep an eye on I think Inter and Liverpool I mean Liverpool are playing like the best team in the world at the moment I don't really think Inter has it you know has the ability to really test them but who knows i don't know where that first matchup is but if inter can somehow like grab a draw in the home leg or something they could make that interesting um and then yeah other than that like i guess atleta united is the next best one but i kind of have a feeling those are going to be a boring games though like especially the first one because the first one's really where you see teams just try not to lose unless you're like Bayern, who they have like the right attitude about it like going out and trying to score as much as possible in that first one but most teams kind of play a little conservatively in that first one. And, like, Atleti conservative is, like, max they're scoring one goal. And United has shown they can struggle to put up goals in the Champions League if Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't score. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess an interesting rematch of Ronaldo against Atletico, who he burned in Champions League's past. But um, I'm trying to get excited about that one, but for some reason I just can't. Yeah, I, I don't know. This – all these matchups are pretty straightforward. Like, I mean, other than the um, the PSG Real Madrid, most of these you have a pretty good idea about how it's going to turn out. But I mean, the Ajax Benfica that one could be interesting because that's kind of the battle of like the the youth factories. You know what I mean? It's like the guys that are putting out the kind of next stars. So, I mean, I guess that's something to be excited about. But most of this, uh, I don't know. Well, I so you say most of them are pretty straightforward, and I agree for the most part. But if you had to pick one that is most ripe for an upset, which of those would it be between, I mean, you got Sporting in Man City, who actually saw a stat, I don't know if you remember, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name, but back in a podcast past when we had the uh, the relegation zone pod, the guy, the one guest we had on the entire history of that podcast, uh, who was the stats guy, I don't remember his name, but, uh, but anyway, he put a stat up when this draw came out that Sporting, I think, is actually undefeated in... Uh, knockout stage matches against english clubs so oh, wow uh, well <laughs> now who, make... who knows how far that goes back it may not even be just champions like it might be europa league too it might just be like european but yeah. um but you got them but but you know what what jumps out to you as a potential upset because it's it's kind of hard to pick one out but i have one in mind yeah uh i don't know it's difficult i don't want to i don't think this would happen but there have been times in Bayern have gotten caught sleeping against guys and Salzburg is a side that plays really well and they play with a lot of heart every time they put up a ton of goals um and we give up a lot of goals these days big offensive teams so I could see if Lewandowski's not firing which he probably will be if he's not that could be one to keep in track early of at least first leg yeah I think Salzburg is a really strong team but Byron's just too much I'm keeping my eye on Villarreal and Juve just because yeah. um good evening Unai Emery at the helm there like he knows how to play well in a European competition. And meanwhile, Juve, we've seen them lose some surprising knockout stage matches. I mean, you think of that Lyon fixture a couple years ago um, where they got knocked out by them. You know, like, 
that's definitely not a gimme um, for for a Juve squad that you know again is is missing Ronaldo, who's going to be scoring goals for other teams uh, in this Champions League. So keep keep an eye on that one. And then real quick, uh, we did we make picks last week for soccer? I don't even remember. But putting you on the spot here, Legs, you didn't have time to fill it out. But our top matches from this weekend that we'll be making picks on to add to the record. Um, first up, your boys in Milan, which I know you're not going to watch this game because you hardly watch Bayern, but Napoli traveling to the San Siro and the biggest match in the Serie A this weekend. I like 2-1 Napoli for no other reason than just despite you. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a draw here. I think that that's going to be the most likely outcome just because I don't trust Milan to win, but I don't feel like they're going to lose. So I'm going to go 1-1 draw. Draw is always a nice bet for Serie A. Um, yeah. But I'm taking it in La Liga where Atletico travels to Sevilla. Um, battle of teams that had opposite fortunes in the UCL this past week. Atletico doing what they need to do to move on to the knockouts by the skin of their teeth. Meanwhile, Sevilla, just as I predicted, they're addicted to that Europa League, man, and they were going to go down, and they did. Um, but I think kind of a, a hangover negative for Atleti, maybe positive for Sevilla in this one. I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw. Atletico's the better team, but I think they they really spent themselves this past week in the Champions League, and, and Sevilla's no slouch of an opponent either, so I like 1-1. Yeah, yeah, I think I like that too, but I think I'm going to go nil-nil. I don't think either team gets on the board. Nil-nil draw. Oh, real uh, positive thinking there from Lay. <laughs> All right, and then first time I think Freiburg's ever made an appearance in the picks um, in the few weeks we've been doing this, but not a ton of action uh, going on in the Bundesliga, but one of the top ones, this is actually a top five matchup here, Freiburg against Leverkusen. I'll defer to your expertise here, Lay, if you have any, but you don't actually watch Bundesliga, so maybe I do know more than you. But I'll just take Leverkusen 3-1 just because, just because, I don't know. But would be kind of cool if Freiburg won, though. Yeah, I think Leverkusen, this could be a pretty good matchup, but I think once we get down to the depth area of this and the substitutions, Leverkusen has the more talented team. They've got more transfer money anyway, and I think that kind of helps them see it through. I say Leverkusen 2-1. All right. Well, that does it for <laughs> Soccer Pod inside of 15 minutes. Got tired of just looking at Ferg. Ferg, what were you doing that whole time? Just just out of curiosity, just like on your phone. Uh, I was just looking at my Bull Mania picks. <laughs> you, you, you weren't taking notes, trying to learn yeah, something? Yeah, I, I don't value fake sports. Sorry. Oh. All right, well, you're talking about Lay being fired. <laughs> you can walk out right now. <laughs> you're going to be talking like that. Because... Because Fer, I'll be honest with you, you've you've carved a little uh, a little niche here for yourself in this podcast for now. But like once football season over, the reason we do this soccer stuff is because once football season no, is over, this is a full on soccer oh, I, pod. I'm a that, seasonal so. intern, seasonal. <laughs> I know my role. Um, <laughs> all right, well, fill your role here. The, the first, this is the, these are your, your these are your subjects here. The, your you know uh, segment ideas that you came up with here. So I'll let you take the lead. What, what we got here first on the football front? Well, I thought we could start off with the American version of football by talking about the CFP playoff matchups. So obviously got to begin with Michigan and Georgia. Um, I can talk about my thoughts on pr- prediction preview first and let you guys follow then since I'm taking the lead. Well, all right. <laughs> I, as you all know, I have – what was that we were talking about about being aware pre-pod? Yeah, that was that was heavy awareness of the microphones rolling there. But what you got Anyways, for? it's no secret I do body double as a Michigan fan and and flirting with long-term commitment status with the Wolverine program. But 
I am not too confident in this matchup against Georgia. The more I think about it, the more I'm getting more and more nervous about it. I'm obviously I really want Michigan to win, but I just don't think it's the best matchup for my Wolverines. I I think to beat a team quite as talented and loaded on the defensive side of the ball as Georgia, you gotta have that special guy at QB and McNamara is not the special guy. You know, their MO is running the ball and running and playing good defense, but I don't know if you can run the ball quite like you want against a front seven like Georgia's with Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, Nicobe Dean, and some of those guys. And the more and then they now Michigan plays a great brand of defense as well, but Georgia's got some weapons that Michigan only faces against like a team like Ohio State. And I don't know if they're gonna be ready to live up to that matchup or not. So I'm a little worried. I, I don't know. I, I the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking the dogs will win by at least ten. But obviously don't want that to be the result, but I'd like to hear what y'all think about that matchup as well. Yeah, I mean, if you thought that Bowers got his use out of him in the Bama game, then I think that we'll really see him this game because I think, it, I mean, Michigan may have a better rush defense. Well, yeah, I guess it does have a better rush defense than even Bama. So the ball will be in the air uh, on that side uh, or on Georgia's side. And the same goes for Michigan. I think you're right weapons wise and just talent wise at this stage georgia's got a little bit more and i think that's probably going to see them through this round yeah what it comes down to for me is you're right the the only offense that michigan really the only good offense like really good offense or michigan has played all year was ohio state and i think just the whole circumstances surrounding that rivalry worked out in michigan's favor i mean you had the snow had the cold weather. You had, I mean, obviously, big rivalry game in the big house. Like, that's a hard place to play, even with Jim Harbaugh at the helm. So, like, a lot of things working in Michigan's favor, whereas now they got to travel across the country to go down to South Florida and play, you know, in the presumably you know, pretty ideal weather conditions um, that's going to favor, you know, a team like Georgia who – you know, I never thought I'd say this, but is probably the more explosive of the offenses in <laughs> in in this game. Um, and and two, like, I don't know how I don't know about what Georgia's game plan off- offensively is going to be in terms of you know talking about Michigan's rush defense or whatever. But <laughs> when you think about a guy like Brock Bowers, it's, he's probably the most effective weapon on that Georgia offense. And then how that matches up with what Michigan brings to the table on the defensive front, those two defensive ends, like depending on where where Bowers lines up on the field, like you basically got to try to knock him off his route early, and usually that's with a defensive end, getting some hands on him before he gets to the rush, and that's a way to slow down pass rush. It's just by having a weapon at tight end. Um, but I think it just comes down to, like, if Georgia can hold that Michigan defense, like, like if that O-line can hold up and allow, you know, less than three sacks, I think Georgia will handle that defense relatively easily if that's the case. But – um, Michigan's got game breakers though at those end spots, and like if they're allowed to dominate that game, then Georgia's going to be in some trouble. But um, if there's one thing where I think Stetson Bennett is probably more prepared to succeed in a game like this, I think it's like you know I don't I don't really want to I'm not here for the conversation about JT Daniels playing in this game because I don't think he actually helps you here like that maneuverability and escapability from Bennett, especially against these edge rushers. Like you got to be able to step him in the pocket maybe shrug off a, a one-armed sack attempt and scramble for some yards, and I think that'll make a big difference in this game. 
Yeah, you got to think for both teams, the key is going to be limiting the explosive plays because we, I mean, going into this, I think it'd be safe to say that it's going to be a low scoring affair. And then if somebody breaks off a play, a big run by Corum or a pass play to Bowers, one of those key plays is probably going to be the difference in the game. Yeah, I'd like to echo your point, Nathan. Uh, JT Daniels has no business being in this game at all. This is Stetson's team. As as much as uh, you want to make about it or whatever, it, Stetson, he's got the ball. He needs to be the starter. The JT Daniels – and I and Kirby won't be playing JT. And, and yeah, you got to be mobile against a pass rush like Michigan. So putting a brick wall at Stetson back there – I mean, uh, JT back there is not the move for sure. Yeah, and I'm not here to have the discussion about whose team it is or whatever because I personally at this point wouldn't be – the most opposed to, to trying something new should Georgia get to the national championship game. Maybe not, you know, first drive, but just shake things up a bit. But for Michigan, no, though. Like, the the recipe Georgia showed all year wasn't good enough to beat Alabama, but it is good enough to beat Michigan. I don't think they need to try to reinvent the wheel um, in, in this game, you know. So uh, I, think, I think they can take care of your business too. But, yeah, that line has been anywhere from – I mean, what did it open around eight? Mm. It's around seven and a half ish right now. So you you thinking you like dogs by ten right now? For I, I think I think Georgia will cover. Yeah, um, if it creeps up past past ten, I, I I would take the Wolverines plus double digits. But if it's in the single digits, I think Georgia will cover that. I just think in the end, the talent and the offensive side of the ball is going to be it's going to be the difference for Georgia at the end. Yeah, I I have a general rule of never betting on Georgia. Because I just like want to be happy when Georgia wins, sad when they lose. Like I don't ever want to find myself because like the worst situation ever to be in is like you've bet on your team and like you're you're winning by a lot, which like because Georgia spreads are usually pretty high. Like you're winning by a lot, but you're pissed because Georgia can't get like the one more touchdown you need to get a cover. Like that's just annoying. So um, my general principle is that I don't bet on Georgia games, but I, I will say I'm tempted. I was tempted by the Bama game, and I did bet on it, and deeply regret that. And I am tempted by this Michigan one because I agree too. The more I think about it, I'm just like I can't really see a way that Georgia, like if Georgia wins, they win by more than seven. I think, um, but you know we'll see. Uh, Lay as a, as a third party viewer, any thoughts on that line as a non gambler? Yeah, I still think it's favorable, plus 10. I think this is one of those where you look at it and you could think it could be really close and Georgia's kind of going to get away with it towards the end. So I think that 10, what was it? You said minus 10 line? It's like minus nah, 7. It started around like 8. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I still think that's fair. I think they win it by more than that regardless. The more I think about it, it's like if anyone's going to get a blowout, a big win, it's going to be Georgia. Like if Michigan is able to win the game, it's going to be like a field goal or like, like a one-point yeah. win. Like – if anyone's going to win by double digits, it's going to be Georgia. I don't think Michigan's going to come out there and blow the brakes off Georgia or anything like that. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Georgia. Yeah, and plus I just don't think either of these teams are built to beat anybody by a ton. I mean, Georgia certainly can with the, with the explosiveness on offense, but like Michigan, I like there's just too many things working against them to to quickly put up points that would result in, in a big win like that which obviously nobody's calling for that being you know touchdown underdogs but speaking of underdogs though they're definitely more than a touchdown Cincinnati against Alabama Al Ferg you put it on here so I'm assuming you have something to say I don't think there's a ton to talk about here I think in Cincinnati's most optimistic of dreams they keep this close 
Um, but I'd like, I heard a great quote, um, somebody talking about Alabama on a radio show the other day that like, you know, as to why Bama is like the number one team in the country, like we've seen their like C game, their D game, but we've also seen that their A game isn't getting beat. So I just think it would take Alabama playing such below what they're capable of, which they have done this season, but I think they've probably done it for the last time. Um, I don't think you can expect anything similar to what they did against Auburn the rest of the way here from them. And I, with that said, I just sense he's going to be hard-pressed to keep that pretty close if Alabama plays like they can. Yeah, I, I think that's an easy cover for Bama. I think that's sitting around minus 13.5 the line right now. And I just don't think Des, – De, Desmond Ritter's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, he hasn't seen a pass rush – pass rusher specifically like Will Anderson – and I don't think he's going to have enough time to get off good throws. And I think he's going to be running for his life all game. And I, I don't see since he scoring more than like 17, 20 points in this game. And I think Bryce Young and Bama, the Bama offense, even without Mechie, um, are going to put up 35 easy, 38. So I, I got the tie covering pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, this is a Bama team that basically put up 40 points on the best defense in college football. And as good as the Cincinnati team has been, I don't think that their defense is any level close to Georgia's. I mean, the, the most impressive win is a Notre Dame team that is a great running team, but it's not particularly explosive. So I don't see this defense being able to put up that kind of performance against an offense like Bama's. I think this is also going to be a blowout. Yeah, so, but a lot of games, a lot of bowl games between now and then, because that's, of course, uh, New Year's Eve, right? Or is that New Year's Day? It's New Year's uh, Eve playoff games both on new year's yeah. eve okay yeah so uh but bowl season ferg that starts uh that's what i, just, I found like it's not like i just called you bowl season ferg that's actually kind of a cool nickname <laughs> uh, but um but yeah so that gets started this weekend uh and you've got what low-key bowls are you most excited for so uh i'm actually gonna have to pull mine up while i think about this but ferg if you if you've got some um, I know at the football mind, as you uh, identify yourself as, you, you probably got some nice, uh, some nice ones to keep keep our appetite wet as we uh, as we get forward toward the to the New Year's Six games. But what you like uh, between now? All and right. Then. First, I would like to give credit to the topic idea to Lay. This one was Lay's idea. Thank you. Uh, I don't want to beat him up too bad. I would like to not give credit to Lay. Uh. Yeah, actually, I rescind that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so some of the low-key bowls, I chose three. I just thought, like, you know, we could all choose three, whatever. Um, so I starting off with UTSA and San Diego State, two teams that have, like, both flirted with being in the top 25 for a good bit of the year. Not much talent, but, you know, they play in the Conference USA and the Mountain West. Uh, the two of the better teams in those conferences, UTSA obviously winning the championship and S- San Diego State losing in the championship game. I think that would be an interesting matchup just to kind of see – you know, or any is any is any team really better than the other? And San Diego State actually has a Georgia Tech transfer quarterback on it, uh, so I like to see if he gets any playing time, see how he does. He's pretty bad. He's like a, a Yates caliber QB. He actually dates Michaela Carabinch, if you you all know her. <laughs> um, so I thought that would be a fun. <laughs> That's random voice. Is she? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I know this is just completely irrelevant for actually not even ninety nine percent of our audience. Absolutely everyone in our audience, but. She dates a dude who lives in in San Diego, well, or she live out there right, too. Well, well, Michaela is a cheerleader at Georgia Tech, and uh, Lucas Johnson—that's the quarterback's name. He he played QB at Georgia Tech up until 2019, then transferred out after the 2019 season. 
so they like dated for like a whole year or something while they were both in Atlanta and then they kind of like kept dating or whatever she actually like lives in San Diego alright yeah enough of this Except for that. I was just curious. All right. On, on sorry, I was my little spider. Uh... <laughs> sorry, sorry. Anyways, enough of that game. Uh, and then, I don't know if you could call this low-key, but Auburn and Houston. So It's low-key. Right. It's We got talking about like a 500 team against yeah, is, an American conference It is the team, Birmingham so. Bowl, after all. It is the Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> Anyways, Play. I thought, wow, you know. Lathe has been in my ear for the last couple of weeks, gassing up Houston to me. And what do you know? Honestly, they did lose, but Houston should be disrespected that they get given a six and sixteen yeah. when they're you know eleven and two. They're eleven and two. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Houston. Hey, no. They said they said they're excited for the opportunity to play against the. Okay, SEC. no, 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 I, I, no. You no, can go no, look up that quote. No, I've, no, I've been no, all over, no, man. No. You can go look it up. I'm not going to. <laughs> okay, well then. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's interesting that after all this gassing up of Houston, Lay's been doing to me, that Houston gets to match up with Auburn. And I'm curious to see what the outcome of this game is and see what Lay's uh, reaction to it is. Is If Houston wins, is he going to be like, yeah, I told you they were so good. Or is he, when Auburn wins, he goes, yeah, that's just because Auburn is an SEC team and they just – can't compete with us, obviously. So I'd like to see what wh- he, one of those reactions will happen. It just no. depends on the result of the game. Don't say no. Do not say. No. I don't think I've ever said that no one can compete with Auburn because they're an SEC all team. Right. I don't think those words have ever. Okay. Well. well all right. All right. Let's here. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Like, give us give us your analysis of Auburn's chances here. And I say Auburn's chances because. Uh, I think Auburn's somehow a favorite in this game, but they shouldn't be. But let's let's get some some insight here from you. Uh, I'm a little worried. The Dana Holgerson at the helm. They run the air raid. Mississippi State air raid absolutely destroyed us this year. We lost, put up like what 40, 50 points something that game. So I think it's unanswered be... a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like 40 unanswered second half. So I'm I'm a little bit worried. I don't know if we have enough offense to be able to compete with them uh, if it turns into a shootout. But there's a small part of me that thinks that we're going to have a defensive plan and maybe a late comeback and end a third, early fourth quarter, and we pull it out. With old T.J. Finley at the helm? That's what the biggest worry <laughs> – that's the biggest thing that worries me. All this also hinges on if Tank is going to be able to play. He didn't show up for his bowl practice, but supposedly he's back in. So I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I still think we're a slight, slight favorite. Yeah, well, we'll see how things work out. Anyways, my last um, low-key bowl I'm excited for is the old Dukes-Mayo Bowl between South Carolina and North Carolina. Got a little border war action. See who's the better Carolina. I always like games like that, so that's the main interest for me. I like this. And I'm also a fan of the ACC-SEC matchups as well. Um, although, going forward, that may not be the case now that I'm leaving Georgia Tech. <laughs> so, yeah, those are my three. Yeah, I like I like that uh that Mayo Bowl action there. Um, I actually I, uh, one of my friends at work he uh went to South Carolina. I was talking to him about that game today. I was like, is that because I feel like South Carolina and North Carolina had played each other recently? And that's because they had uh, I think a couple years ago like in a neutral site game. But like that's not a rivalry apparently. Um, like these are two teams that don't really play each other at all. So. Uh, despite the border war, which I agree for, kind of makes things more interesting. There's not really any animosity between the two schools, yeah. but 
an opportunity though for for um, Shane Beamer and the South Carolina team to really spend some positive momentum going forward into next year. I mean, I know we have it later on the list in the podcast, but Spencer Rattler, big transfer get. I mean, you can debate how big. I I'll be honest as a as somebody who supports you know one of the best football teams in the country. I honestly wanted no part of Spencer Rattler on my team. So I you yeah. know. He's a good get, depending kind of on where you are, but definitely a good get for for a team like South Carolina. But you know, he's not. I mean, he's not going to dress out for this game, so uh, it's going to be on the guys that are already there to try to get something done and and get South Carolina's first winning season in a little bit. Um, but yeah, North Carolina eight and a half point favorites, according to what I'm looking at right here. Uh, that game being played in Charlotte, um, but I mean, it's not like any real home field advantage, I think, for either of these teams. But it'd be yeah. I, I agree, Ferg. I think that's a pretty interesting one. Another one that I kind of want to keep my eyes on, um, Iowa State and Clemson. It's just a really, like, I guess a battle between two teams that disappointed this season, one significantly more than the other. Um, that being that being Clemson, obviously. Clemson's slight underdogs as of recording here, uh, plus one and a half here. Um, Iowa State and Brock Purdy. I think this just comes down to if Brock Purdy's going to play or if he's going to opt out. Uh, because if he does, I don't think Iowa State has much of a chance. But um, I don't know what his his kind of draft stock is at the moment. But I see, you know, he could potentially um, opt out. I'm gonna try to top you with an even more low key one than you got for San Diego State UTSA. But that's gonna be hard to do. Um, you better not I'll steal the mine. <laughs> well, well, uh, I mean, I'm literally just scrolling through the list, looking at it here. Um, I tell you, I don't think it's going to be a good game. The spread doesn't suggest so because they're catching, uh, you know, more than more than ten points. But I want to watch Fresno State in the bowl game. Like they've had some pretty solid results all season. They beat UCLA earlier in the year. Um, they had, uh, you know, I think their head coach did actually leave because they had a really good season. I can't remember where exactly he went. Um, but yeah, the other Bulldogs. Keep an eye on them. Uh, Two fifteen in the afternoon um, in the New Mexico Bowl. <laughs> At Dream Style Stadium, yeah, that's, a, that's a new one on me there. So, uh, Lay, what you got? Uh, one that I'm looking forward to. It's going to be kind of interesting in my mind is the Citrus Bowl with uh, Iowa and Kentucky, just because you know I've I've ranted multiple times about Iowa's offense, but they do have a really good defense in most games. I mean, they finished ten and three, made it to the conference championship. So, uh, you can't ask more than that. And Kentucky finished nine and three. They were a team that gave – I mean, obviously, Georgia was going to win, but they gave them some trouble, I think you'd agree, at least in the first quarter and maybe partway through the second quarter leading up to the second half. So I think that's two pretty good teams, teams that you wouldn't think of being good teams in today's college football, and that could lead to a pretty interesting matchup. So that's kind well, of – Yeah, Kentucky's a team you got to remember was ranked inside the top ten. People want to yeah. talk about the weakness of Georgia's schedule and say what you want about where these teams finished up, but they played three top ten teams – throughout their schedule, Clemson, Arkansas, Kentucky. Now, um, look, Kentucky, when Will Levis is, doesn't turn the ball over, like they're a pretty solid team. They play good defense. They run the ball well. Um, Levis is kind of a poor man's Josh Allen, just a big, lumbering white quarterback who's hard to bring down when he runs the ball. Um, but, yeah, I think I actually really like Kentucky in this game. That's one of the, the few bets in bowl games that I immediately jumped on when the Lions came out, you know, basically saying regardless, I think, of whoever opts in, opts out. I still like Kentucky just because I think it has to do more with Iowa's just complete lack of, of scoring ability. Um, Kentucky doesn't play the best defense in the world, but like enough, I think to hold Iowa to a pretty low score. I mean, the over under in this game set at 44. Um, so not expecting a ton of points in this game, but 
But yeah, I actually really like Kentucky in this one. Yeah, I think I agree too, and that it's going to be interesting to watch. But another one that I've got up here uh, is Wake Forest and Texas A&M, just because you know going back to that Alabama game, even though Bama lost, they put up a ton of points airing the ball out against them. This Texas A&M defense is pretty good, but if they have a weakness, it's the passing game. And Wake Forest—that's something that they really excel at. Whenever you know Sam Hartman isn't having a mental relapse or whatever happened in the bowl or in his uh, conference championship, but other than that, I think this could be a pretty good game and maybe even a high-shooting one. Well, I, another game I like is the the bowl between Central Florida and Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl. Maybe it's Gasparilla. I don't know if that's Spanish. <laughs> oh, throw back to the <laughs> Senora Crow. <laughs> Anyways, I like this matchup with Gus Malzahn going to play Florida. So, obviously, Malzahn's offense is what he's known for. And, you know, Florida, they didn't have the year they expected. You know, I want I'm interested to see how they show up. Are they going to show up and actually try to win? Or just going to be like going through the motions, whatever, just another bowl game. We didn't have the year we wanted. So I'm interested to see the result of that game. I actually like Central Florida to win that game. I'm not aware of the line at the moment, but I like Central Florida to beat Florida in this one. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have, you know, I don't want to spend too much time kind of breaking each of these games down because we are going to kind of go week by week as we go through uh, bowl season and, and talk about some of these more in depth. But to your point about UCF, I'll try to find the line here real quick. But, like, I think UCF, especially if you're actually going to bet spread here, like, that's really the only play because I just – they may not cover, but, like, I don't see how you – anybody in their right mind can pick Florida in this matchup just because they have absolutely nothing to play for. The coach is out the door. Um, it's been pretty obvious their past several games. None of these players want to be there. I think if a lot of these top players were honest with themselves, I don't think they literally do want to be here. I know that's a, I know that's a thing that gets thrown around that phrase, and like most of the time, it's not true. Like college football players want to play, but there's nothing about the way Florida has finished the season that suggests this is a team that's fired up about playing football. Um, so it's one of those where you bet UCF and you lose. You're just like, okay, whatever. You win, great. But, like, you're just going to be kicking yourself if you bet Florida and and that happens. So, um, yeah, just for reference, Florida six-and-a-half-point favorites as of now. So, um, but, yeah, as I mentioned, a lot of bowl games. We're going to talk about them more in depth, you know, as the weeks go by. Um, I say weeks. I mean, that's the thing about bowl season. It feels so huge, like, before it starts. But, like, once it gets going, it's like two or three games – yeah, there's some weekends where there's a lot of games. The next thing you know, like over half the bowl season's gone in like a week and a half. So uh, we'll definitely have to stay on track because um, there'll be some games I'm sure that'll that'll fly by us. But uh, Ferg, I know you want to talk about Dan Lanning uh, going over to Oregon. I have my thoughts, obviously, from the Georgia perspective and what that means for us and, uh, you know, just how good of a coach I think he is. But from you guys' perspective, uh, how big of a win is that for Oregon? Is that is that the higher of the, of the offseason? Um, you know, probably pending – I, I guess that's up there with Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. Where do, where do we think that ranks among some of the better moves so far? Uh, I'd say it's probably up there with Lincoln Riley and, and Brian Kelly, obviously. Um, I like Billy Napier's hire as well. But I don't know. I don't, I don't want to make a decision yet because I want to wait for some results. I, I know that's going to be a year from now or whatever, but I think we need to wait and see, well, hey, is Dan, Lan- Dan Lanning like a mastermind or is he just like got the most talented defense of all time playing against a schedule that doesn't have the greatest offenses on it, you know? So I just want to wait and get, let it marinate and see what he does at Oregon. Now, obviously he won't have a whole lot of competition. It's just Utah. And then maybe if Lincoln Riley is able to make them into a the power that they once were, but I think they'll probably compete for the PAC 12 conference championship, but, but they'll probably still lose some games. And I don't think they're a big playoff contender threat 
at least initially. But I could be dead wrong, and Dan Lanning could be a beast. I don't know. I just want to wait and see once he has a different set of talent to work with. Yeah, see, that's the thing. There's a lot of questions about Lanning because you start to think, was he the architect of this Georgia defense, or was that something that Kirby instilled? You know, defensive guy coming from Bama, a lot of that could be attributed to them. And that's kind of why I wrote this. Part of it was just – do you think this is going to have a big effect on the playoff or do you think they'll be fine? I mean, how instrumental do you think Lanning is to this Georgia team to be able to put up the performances that they have thus far? Well, first of all, he's come out and said that he's going to coach. He's going to remain at Georgia. Oh, is he? Okay. Um, through the next two games. Now he did go ahead and make the trip up to Eugene and took mm-hmm. the photos on the tarmac and everything. Like he's been up there, but he's going to be back in time to get the prep going again for uh for the orange bowl and then for potentially national championship but with that said uh georgia's announced are going to go kind of a coat with co-defensive coordinators glenn schumann and uh and will muschamp who that trump card that that georgia seemingly just kind of got for no particular reason in the offseason maybe they saw this coming that that will muschamp would have a chance to kind of become their defensive coordinator later on down the line but and i think that's the smart play like you can't it's not a demotion per se for Dan Lanning, but like technically that's what it is, but you just can't really have a guy who's on his way out being the main, you know, organizer of your defense, but he's still going to be there. So I don't think it hurts Georgia much if at all. Um, But in terms of what to expect from him at Oregon, like it's a good point. I mean, Kirby is a defensive guy. I've, you know, been this is one of the few times on any podcast we've ever done lay where I actually have some boots on the ground insight here when I used to cover Georgia football and and would watch some practices like Kirby spends at least most of the time that I saw with the defense because like that's what he knows he was a defensive coordinator prior to that Um, he's really hands-on with that defense now I won't pretend to know how much of their scheme is up to him versus Dan Lanning I don't know but you know I think scheme-wise, Oregon will definitely improve on defense. They haven't been a particularly great defensive team in the past several years. Um, But really the biggest thing it will come down to is can he recruit because I don't really attribute too, too much of Georgia's recent recruiting success to him. Now I think Lanning was the linebackers coach before he was D coordinator, and Georgia's had a lot of good linebackers come through that room in the past few years. But Kirby is the reason Georgia's such a good recruiter. Like he is just – I think he's debatably the best recruiter in the country, even better than anybody that Alabama has. Um, for giving me the money sign here, which <laughs> hey, like with NIL, it's it's whatever. Everybody's paying him now, so there's not really a point to that. But it's just can can he get that recruiting going at Oregon is is just going to be the big thing. And and Oregon already recruits they recruit the West Coast pretty well, but now can they? get back to where like Oregon was a big name on the map or like they could pull some East coast kids to come out there and put on the cool Nike uniforms and, and get all the swag and win some football games because we saw in the past several years, how that swag and all that shit doesn't matter if you're not winning. Cause, cause nobody cares what you look like if you're going four and six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not to get too off track here. Cause I know landing was already been announced as the coach, but did you guys see those rumors about, uh, bringing chip kelly back to oregon i did not yeah and i thought i thought that had some i didn't think it would happen to say but i thought it had some legs it's just but it's really hard to because for for a reunion like that to happen basically somebody has to admit that they were wrong the first time and even if they weren't really wrong the first it's just a hard sell to have that happen again there's just usually too much water under the bridge there for that to happen but but yeah i mean 
Chip has improved UCLA, but I don't know that that's enough to earn him a, a better job. Yeah, though. yeah, see, when I saw that, my immediate thought was that Chip Kelly is Gus Malzahn and that he, he kind of brought that innovative offense to the mix back when he was at Oregon, but then has since been pretty average. So <laughs> not to derail the conversation, that's just something that I thought was interesting, seeing those rumors uh, go around early last week. But... Yeah, so I guess now we can – are we done with Oregon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah All right, so. we can move on to the real topic yeah, here you, that everybody wants to know about. Yeah, you take the reins on this one, Lane. Uh, yeah, so Bo Nix, my man Bo Nix has finally entered the transfer portal after weeks. Bo Picks. <laughs> yeah, Bo Picks. Uh, I can get on board with that now. I don't have to take, <laughs> take up for Dicks. him anymore. Um, after weeks of speculation that he may or may not leave, and I got to say I – was not too upset about this. I've been following it pretty closely, and there was a whole lot of stuff. People saying that he came in, uh, had a meeting with a Carson, and quote-unquote made demands about next season, about what he wanted to see. And first of all, I don't know if there's anyone in college football who is good enough or in any position to come in and make demands, and most certainly not a guy <laughs> like Bo Nix. <laughs> he definitely doesn't have any Hell kind of no. clout to be able to do that. So, I don't know. Looking at this, it seems like he just didn't really fit the culture that Harson, that coaching staff, is trying to bring in. And like it says in the title, there's a lot of QBs in the portal. This is a new age college football where everybody's kind of jumping around and finding a new fit. Uh, I know Ferg's posed the question in here, do I think TJ Finley is going to be the starter uh, next year? I, I hope not. I think that'd be depressing. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I wouldn't have much to look forward to. But Tell I, us how you really feel, damn way. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be a few guys that we're going to test the water with going in the portal, or there's a chance we put Holden Garner, our four-star commit for this year. who's kind of a guy that Harson's reportedly really high on. So I think regardless, we won't see TJ Finley there, but I'm not too upset about Bo leaving. That's just my spiel. Yeah. I wouldn't be too upset about it either. He's really inconsistent and I think it's probably for the best that he's gone. And yeah, maybe this freshman, the holding guy, if, Harson really likes him then that could be a good option but obviously you know he's gonna be a true freshman starter so that could be tough but better let it be him than Bo Nix because you know Bo Nix you've seen the ceiling you know it's not really worth it oh. so let let the yeah. young guy come in and get some snaps get some reps get some experience and that could be better for the Auburn in the long run yeah, yeah. and you know I, I talked about him not fitting the culture I don't I mean y'all didn't watch his video obviously but I watched he did kind of like a a sayonara video to the Auburn fan base. And he made a comment like, I've always put Auburn before myself. Now it's time to put me before Auburn. <laughs> like what's, what's the, what's the point of that? I can't, I can't think of a single time he put Auburn before himself. He's just, I don't know. He's a guy that's really focused on himself in my opinion. And I just didn't think he jived with the coaching staff, but you have any, any takes on that, Nathan? Well, look, I've always said Bo Nix has a very punchable face, so <laughs> yeah. maybe you can finally agree with that. He's probably just kind of an asshole. Like, no no cap, no kizzy. He probably just sucks, uh, you know, on the field and off. But, yeah, I mean, when I first saw this headline, I, of course, I don't follow it as closely as you do. I guess that's what you were doing when it wasn't preparing for this podcast. But, uh, but I just thought that maybe what must have happened was Harson probably brought him in his office like, look, hey, thanks for what you've done. But I think it would, you know, probably find a way to nicer way to say it. But I imagine him saying like, it'd probably be better for both of us if you didn't come back. Like basically <laughs> saying, I have no real intention of playing you if I can help it. 
Um, but who knows? Maybe it is like you say, and 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 he may, came in with demands. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think good for for both sides there. Um, although. I don't really know what's going to be next for him. I thought South Carolina would have made sense for Bo Nix, but now that Rattler's taken that, um, you know, there's just who knows where half these these transfer quarterbacks are going to go. Yeah. Um, I just hope that, uh, you know, I was about to say I hope there's just one left for Georgia come next year because I don't <laughs> I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be starting JT or, or Stetson. But we got Brock Vandegrift in the works, so I'm not worried about that. But, don't sleep on Gunnar Stockton. Uh, but speaking of. Yeah, don't yeah. sleep. On, I won't sleep on him too. Yeah, but classic Georgia problems. Not to just make this whole podcast about Georgia, but you know, if if you're if a team if you're shopping for a quarterback, Athens should be your first stop because we've always got two or three that are trying to leave because <laughs> um, they just can't they can't all play can't play them all. So, um, but yeah, up there amongst the uh, top of the shopping list uh, for for transfers, um, Quinn Ewers dipping out of Ohio State. Uh, I've roasted him on this pod before, but just how dumb I thought it was that he skipped his senior year of high school to go up there and do that, only for him now to just leave. But he arrives at Texas. Um, you know, he's going to make even more NIL money there. I guess maybe that's all he cares about. Uh, hmm. But he'll 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 find some of that down in Austin, that's for sure. But um, I guess just kind of thoughts thoughts on this on this transfer season in general, and 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 I guess is. Is Rattler by far and away the best one we've seen go so so far? Are there are there any other ones out there that you think could make some big impacts, potentially bigger than that? I think from a pure talent perspective, Rattler's probably the best. I mean, obviously we've seen what he can do. I mean, he was a Heisman front runner coming into the season for a reason. So talent wise, he's probably the most talented player we've seen hit the portal so far. Him or, or Jameer Gibbs, um, obviously we know what he can do. So. I don't know. I don't think it's good for college football, the whole free transfer thing. I think it just make the rich get richer. On a free. Byron, Byron's a big <laughs> fan of those. Byron better watch out. Yeah. They're going to swoop in and snag some of these transfers. <laughs> so the rich, just a situation where the rich get richer, a place like Georgia Tech, who, you know, we find we actually get a guy for once, and he just goes to Alabama or Ohio State, wherever he ends up going. Once he blows up, you know. The not having the penalty where you have to sit out, it's really bad for college football because, you know, these big schools are just going to poach. Uh, Bama got that linebacker, Toa Toa, or however you say his whole Polynesian-ass name. Yeah. Uh, it's just a situation where the rich get richer, and I think it's bad for the sport as a whole. Yeah, I think there are some bugs to it. I agree with that because, you know, a guy that's leaving Bama is only leaving because he's not playing whether he may not be good enough or may not be the right situation, but a lot of other guys, anyone else that's leaving another school, they're not going to be that talented or it's going to be somebody that's looking for a step up. So it's easy to see how this kind of disproportionately benefits the big star programs. But, uh, you know, back on the transfer portal, I know you mentioned you didn't think there's a lot of other guys that stick out. One of the dude I would like to mention, I think, is, is Keaton Slovis, I think. I know I sent you a text earlier uh, this week for talking about how I kind of felt he was the best combination of resume and character <laughs> because, you know, you couldn't put him over Rattler and resume, but I don't know. I think he's a guy that he was another guy that people were talking about being a, uh, an NFL draft pick in a few years after his first year at USC. Uh, I think he put up like what 3000 yards, 70% completion percentage, something like that. So that's another dude that you got to think he can make an impact somewhere. Yeah. I agree with that, and that's just another guy to come out of uh, come out of USC. I mean, JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis were both on that roster at one time, and now both of them 
um, moving away from the program. Um, Ferg, I know you got a lot written down here for your portal update. Uh, let's make it a little quick here because we got to get some NFL in before we hang it yeah, up. Yeah, I got so, you. Uh, all right, let me give you a quick rundown. First of all, I want to shout out, rest in peace to Marius Thomas. Uh, that was tragic news. And there's not a whole lot of Georgia Tech superstars that ever make it to the NFL, so he was one of the guys I watched a lot growing up, so that one hurt a little bit. Moving on. So I'd like to formally announce that this is no longer a temporary transfer, my signing between Alabama or Michigan. It is permanent. Until Georgia Tech shows that they're going to be fully committed to the success of the football program, I will not be a part of it. And what well, shocker, they're never going to be fully fully supportive of it. So it's a permanent transfer, Bama or Michigan. Like just this week, we lost our highest rated commit, Jerron Willis. He's a hybrid safety linebacker from Lee County. He's somewhere in between Edder Mora and Jamal Adams in talent <laughs> anyways that's a pretty wide margin dude. Yeah, yeah i know i just want to give you a little like example of what got his play style anyways he was committed to us for a long time he's a beast out of lee county which is a honey hole for talent in the middle of nowhere bumville georgia and he was committed to us and he decommitted why because old miss shows up with bags of cash and i'm not just making this up i'm not making it up <laughs> they showed up with bags of cash and we refuse to counter offer. So until we refuse, or until we start pay, well, if we want to play with the big boys, we got to pay like the big boys. Next, Alton Tarver. Highly, highly sought after defensive tackle commit that we had committed since August. He decommitted. Well, he didn't really decommit. We had to drop him because of academics. And guess who swoops in and takes him two days after we had to drop him? Oklahoma. It's time for fake majors. I'm tired of the academics getting in the way of football success. Let's make some fake majors. I don't care what these guys do after they get out of here. I don't care if they're fucking working at a factory or coaching rec league. I don't care <laughs> about their degree. Make some fake majors. Let's get some beasts up in here. Until we do that, and until we start p- paying like all the rest of the college football teams, we're never going to be successful. And so, and I know we'll never, we'll never risk our ap- academic reputation and we won't ever pay people the way we need to pay them because I'm sure we pay some. Um, and I know we'll never do it, so that's why this transfer to Michigan or Bama will be permanent. I'm done. <laughs> Man. All right. Sorry, I had a lot of – We need to title of... this segment, like, Inside the Decaying Mind of a Georgia Tech Fan. Just – Oh, not a Georgia Tech fan anymore. <laughs> off the rails. Not a Georgia Tech fan anymore. Oh, yeah. I don't identify as that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well – very next thing on our line of our line of topics here as we move on to the NFL major cap on Ferg's NFL boycott you had an adventurous week uh, on the betting lines here this weekend Ferg I know you get easily excited about this and I'm here for that excitement but I again need it to be a, a little quicker but yeah. but what you got on, on how your betting weekend yeah went? so it was a very emotional roller coaster this weekend so it's I came in twenty dollars down I got back to even. Well, you dipped into UFC. That that sets the tone on how it don't, how things went. Don't sleep on UFC. I'll get into that in a second. I, I got uh, Vikings. I know last week I said I would never touch the Vikings, so naturally I touched the Vikings this week. But it worked out because like that sounds really weird to say. It like that. <laughs> well, I got the what I thought were the good version of the Vikings for the first thirty minutes, and then the Vikings let the Steelers come back. But the Vikings got the cover, so we we're all good and got back to even. Then Army Navy, the over did not hit which it should have because there was 17 points scored. Yeah, it was tragic. 17 points were scored in the first quarter. I only need 16 the rest of the game. Only got 13 through three quarters. That's criminal. Should never happen. Boycotting the military from here on out. 
listen, hey, Navy, Navy was good to me getting uh, <laughs> getting getting a nice win. I, I had them plus uh, seven and a half, which actually I lost a lot of value buying it to seven and a half when they won outright. But hey, wins a win. <laughs> Anyways, I ended up after that. I ended up being down fifty bucks. I put fifty dollars on one UFC fighter to get back to even, and it hit. Now the difference between UFC and football is, and UFC, this is quick. You know, someone could get knocked out in one punch, like just like that. And so it was a very quick outcome. It happened in like the second round, and my guy won, so I got back to even. And then that's about it. Yeah, I ended up up twenty bucks on the weekend. Okay, yeah, not too bad. Um... For me, basically all I had, uh, well, okay, so I, ha- I had Navy who worked out for me, and then I want to call it a bad beat on the Bills uh, plus three and a half because it was a bad beat, but ultimately like they were never really on the right side of that line the whole game, I and mean, they were getting their ass beat by the Buccaneers um, on the road. And so like, I I turned it off. I quit watching it, but Ferg, I know you kept watching it, and it looked like we were both going to get what we wanted um, for a little bit because I know we were – we were rooting uh, for Lay's Bills to lose, and he's conveniently dropped out of the FaceTime call here. So uh, I, 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 we're, we can't let him live this down when he gets back in because literally we were about to roast him about his Bills pick, and he just disappeared. <laughs> but had the Bills three and a half. They're down by three. That's perfect. That's fine. There's under a minute left to go in the game. All we need from the Buccaneers is a stop, and we're good. You and I both saw it coming. We're praying that that they don't go down the field because we knew they were going to kick a field goal and get to overtime. And overtime was the only way that three-and-a-half bet doesn't hit. Well, what happens? They go to OT. But it's all right. Bills get the ball to start the first you know, period of overtime. If they can just go down and score a touchdown, boom, bada-bing, we're done. Over, nope, they don't get stopped. What do the Buccaneers do? Score on a long touchdown and just like that, bad beats, Bills don't cover. So um, up and down weekend for me. But I'm with you. You, you talk about boycotting the NFL – I'm not like full on boycott. Like I'll take a look, and if there's a line that jumps out to me that I like, I'll take a look at it. But like, it's just so hard to yeah. pick. Um, and with so much good college football coming up, I think I don't really have too much motivation to chase some NFL lines. Um, but without, let's see, is Lay still off the call? I, here? I got him on mine. I'm, I'm in. Okay, I see him. All right, Lath. The fuck is up with your Bills? Oh yeah, they're trash. So, exp- defend your picks here, Lay. You've been backing. These, this Buffalo team all season continuing to defend them loss after loss bad performance after bad performance they should have got blown out by the Bucks. they end up losing a close one in overtime but still a loss nonetheless they're now in a fight for playoff contention you still think they're the Super Bowl favorites somehow <laughs> no oh I don't think yeah. okay yes early this year I thought they were Super Bowl favorites. But then you just asked me last week if I felt like they were going to get into the playoffs. And I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I do. I do. Also, I think it's weird that I'm being asked to defend a terrible pick in a game that came down to overtime. So, that I don't know. That I, I'll agree. No, 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 no. You're being asked to defend a team that is one game better than the Dolphins, <laughs> Lay, is what you're asked to defend. <laughs> and the Falcons. Look. Okay, if if a Bills went Dolphins today head to head, who do you think would win? Dolphins. You think so? Yeah. No, you, you, you. I'm sorry. That's such a cat. That's such a cat. You can't prove that's a cat. No, I, I look. I'm defending them because looking at this team, they're a team that can still play really well. They're capable of scoring a lot of points. Granted, the defense, but did, they don't run the ball yeah. at all. Like, and you can't win playoff games without running the ball. Like. 
it just it just doesn't happen. Like you ha- you can't be one dimensional because good defenses, which basically every playoff NFL team has a good defense, they aren't going to get just run down the field with with one strategy. Yeah, I mean, look, they haven't been running the ball. I've seen them run the ball before. They ran it last year. I don't know what the deal is this year, and I still I still feel pretty good about them making the playoffs. I'll admit I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders at this point. I will cede that to you. I don't think they are, but I do think they sneak into the playoffs. So looking at these Bills rushing stats, Josh Allen led the team in carries with 12, second most. The most that a running back had was four against the Bucks. Let's see, game before against golly i clicked on the wrong thing and now we're going we're going the wrong way okay um against the pats the week before that that was in a windstorm but even still josh allen led the team in rushing in a game where no where, where mac jones threw the ball like three times um game before that against the saints uh devin singletary actually did get 15 carries there but the fact of the matter is they just don't run the ball and and they've been way down the list on the afc for me and and they're they're staying down there i don't I think they've got a real battle um, to make the playoffs. What, what you make of them, Ferg? Yeah, I, I don't see it. I, they're definitely not winning their division. I mean, the Patriots get gained ground on them this week when they had a bye since they lost. I, I just don't see it. If you can't run the ball, like you said, it's hard to be a good playoff team without being able to have a consistent run game going. And Josh Allen's being asked to do too much, in my opinion. I think he, he shouldn't be asked to be his, the leading rusher on his team every week i mean he's not lamar i mean yeah obviously he runs the ball well but he shouldn't have to be he's your franchise quarterback he needs to be back there slinging it so i i don't see them i, I honestly i don't think they're gonna make the playoffs if we're being honest i think the pats are gonna beat them yeah because they're gonna I mean, look at the afc north like like three of those teams are gonna make the playoffs the chargers they're gonna make the playoffs in the afc west so are the chiefs i mean i mean you're running out of wild card spots you're lucky there's the third one to begin with I don't think – I think the Pats are going to beat him in Foxborough. I think you could see the Falcons beating them in a couple weeks. I think this team is going to finish around 500. Eight and nine, nine and eight. Yeah. Something like that. This playoff picture, so Bill's sitting there at seven and six. Again, really unlikely they win that division two games back with just, I think, three games to go. Um, maybe four, but either way, still unlikely. Then you got the Chargers ahead of them at eight and five, sitting in that wild card spot behind the Chiefs. The Broncos are sitting there with the same record at seven and six. Then in the AFC North, somebody's got to win that division. But then Browns at seven and six, Bengals at seven and six, Steelers at six six and one. Um, and then in the AFC South, the Titans have a pretty firm grip on that. But the Colts are sitting there at seven and six. So uh, you know, can all those teams get in the playoffs? And the Bills, the Bills are going to have their work cut out for them. Um, but meanwhile, I, on the other hand, my persistent teams that I've stuck by this year as my NFL favorites. First and foremost, the Rams. Big win against the Cardinals without Tyler Higbeast and Jalen Ramsey. And Lay was getting ready to jump ship on them. And just as we said in the text, Laith, you get credit for neither. You want it off the Rams, you're not getting credit for picking the Rams, even though you technically did. So, uh, yeah. They didn't have Um, Henderson either, too. So, if you're wondering what my line of thinking was there. Oh, I know, because I have I have Henderson on my fantasy team, and that hurt. I still won, no surprise. But um, I honestly actually have no idea how I'm doing in the league we're in. Lay, did I win? In the oh, league? I would suggest you not look at the league that we're in. <laughs> well, so I had to I had to get a new SIM card for my phone the other day because it was jacked up, and uh, like I had to reset my phone basically. When I got it back, it doesn't just auto input all my passwords; it like logs me out of all my apps, and so. 
I, I went to go set my lineup, even though I don't care, you know, about our league too much. I went to at least go set my lineup. But when I saw I was logged out, I was like, all right, I'm making one password guess, and if that isn't it, <laughs> fuck it, I'm just not logging in. And I didn't get it right, so. We're, uh, I'm curious, what, we're, you, you always talk about how you don't care about this league. What is your record in the other league? Because you must be up there way in the top if that's the case. I'll have you know I'm in the playoffs with a uh, solid record of, I think it's 9-5. and five. So mm-hmm. say what you will, say what you will, Mr. Land. Uh, I know you got a pretty good team in, in that other league, and hey, props to you. At least you're getting something right because it ain't these picks in our podcast. That's <laughs> um, hey, I'm, but yeah, I'm still hey, running hey, bowl season. What you got? I'm still running bowl season. <laughs> okay, hey, right we'll, now. We'll see. Oh, oh heck no. We'll I'm see. running bowl season. <laughs> um, but anyway, because I wasn't the one updating the pod, and Mr. Lay, who's doing all this work, you didn't update our picks and like move the ones to last from this week to last week and put in the new ones. So uh, I know we both, I think we all had the Rams. That was a win. We all had the Ravens. That was a loss. And I'll be honest, I don't remember who we picked. Uh, I do you all remember our third NFL pick. Bills, Bucks. No. Bills, Bucks. Me and Nathan got Bucks right, I, and Lay got Bills. I don't. Did we? Did we pick oh, that one? Oh, we did. <laughs> I don't and you got that. it wrong. No surprise. <laughs> All right, well, we're running out of time here, and that's a perfect segue. Let's go ahead and make our NFL picks for this next week. We do have some bowls. I didn't really think about throwing those in here as far as college picks, but I thought I'd give, you, give Late's loss column a break. It's getting worn out um, on the college front, so uh, just pick some NFL here. Um, starting off, just a quick update on the records. I'm 26-14. and 14. Late, golly, 19-20. Oh, no. That's... Uh, that's poor. Oh, and his connection just happens to be going bad as we make picks here. So I'll go first, and I'll kick it to you, Ferg, and hopefully Lay sorts himself out here. Uh, off the top, I'll start with Chiefs at Chargers. Chargers catching three points at home. Chiefs defense has started carrying this team. I never really thought I'd, I'd say that, given the way they started this season. Um Lay uh, <laughs> texting in our live doc, phone is messed up. Proof. Okay, well... Probably. That aside, I think I like I think I like the Chargers at home here. Just a good team catching points at home. I think I just got to lean them. I'll say 31-28. Yeah, I like the Chargers in this one too. The Chargers played really well last week, and then the week before they beat the brakes off my Bengals, who I had with 82 bucks on the line. Well, we're not talking about that though. Yeah, I, I like the Chargers to win outright in this one. The Chiefs are getting hot right now, but I think Herbert's going to have a big day. They're at home catching points. Uh, Chargers win easy, thirty-five seventeen. All right. Well, I see Lath has also picked the Chargers, so I'd like to change my pick. Uh, still like Chargers to cover, uh, but they won't win outright. Chief, we can't just all pick against the Chiefs. They're definitely gonna win. So I'll I'll be the one to go. Chiefs win in a close one. They win by less than three. All right. I'll just call um, it thirty-one thirty, just for fun. All right. All right. Next up. Bengals, a team you like, Ferg. They're favorites on the road against the Broncos, who were playing for for DT, get a big win against the Lions. Broncos plus two and a half at mile high. I think this has got to be a, a get-right game for the Bengals. The The season's going to pass them by if they can't catch up here with some of these other wild-card teams as they continue to drop games. Um, but they're still right in the thick of it, and I think they'll stay that way with a win um, on the road. Yeah, I like the Bengals as well. And if they beat the Broncos, that just widens the gap from them and the Broncos because Broncos are also on the wild-card hunt. 
And yeah, I, I, I've alluded to it earlier uh, in a previous pod, but I have boycotted the Broncos and I refuse to pick the Broncos ever again. So that just only makes my Bengals pick even stronger, in my opinion. So I like Bengals 31 20. All right. Lay, it looks like, also has the Bengals. So again, probably locks a Broncos pick, although I'm not going to swap picks uh, given that information this time around. And then lastly, Packers at Ravens. This looked like a much better matchup before last week when Lamar Jackson went down with an injury. Ravens, another home dog, catching four and a half points. Um, I know we're all going to have the Packers here, but they're just the stronger team, especially the Ravens without Lamar. So I like the Packers to win. I'll say 33-27. Yeah, I agree with you. The Packers are going to win this game. They win the game whether Lamar's playing or not playing. And I don't know the timetable of his injury. If he's out, then yeah, the Packers are 100 million percent winning this game. But they beat him even if Lamar is playing. And if he is playing, he'd be banged up. Packers win easy, 38-24. All right, and an hour and nine minutes on the dot. It looks like it's about time to wrap this up. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Uh, Lay, if he ever, you know, we might just have to actually fire him this time. Yeah. I mean, I know we fired him once. Um, you might have to really start reading up on your soccer because yeah. Lay, the door might be hitting his ass on the way <laughs> Looks out. like that promotion I've been waiting for is about to happen. <laughs>